this week we are going to interview Brian Black. And that's why the kids are staying in today, because Brian is um, in leading up the kids' ministry in our church. So could we all give Brian a really encouraging clap as he comes forward? So, Brian, you're okay. You're among friends here. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> Anyhow. So, hello, Brian. Hello. Welcome to the front. What did you say this morning? This will be our first duo. Yes, yes. <laughs> Writing this song for a long time. That's so right, that's right. <laughs> well, honestly, if you want to clear the place, I'll not sing, okay? Um, Brian currently, as I said, leads up our kids' ministry team. And he's a big, big heart for kids' ministry and for the children in this church. So I'm not going to tell you any more about Brian. Brian's going to do that himself. So Brian, hey. tell us about yourself, your family, and what you do. Um, well, my name's Brian Black, as you know. Um, we've been coming here for a long time. Um, I'm married to Gillian. Oh, she's there. I'm married to Gillian. Um, <laughs> we have uh, three boys. Um, our eldest boy's 21. And he's married, works and serves in England. Um, our next boy down is 18. I had to go through all these ages this morning with Jalen. <laughs> I could believe that. I know, I know. He's 18, isn't he? Um, and he's a bricklayer. Um, and then Jesse, who's nine, and I just know he's going to do something to get a job because he's looking at McLaren. So it's going to be big. So I have one son that'll protect me, one son to build me a home, and one son to get me a sports car. So I'll, I'll, I think I'll be okay in my old age. Um, you just want me to go on to... Um, yeah, just, what do you do? Just, oh, I, I, I'm a... Day job. I'm a... Uh, very little. <laughs> I'm a manager in a tarpaulin factory. Um, we make boat covers, trailer covers, motorsport awnings, all that sort of jazz. Um, anything that needs covered, we basically do it. Um, especially over COVID with all the, the pop-up tents and stretch tents and stuff, we do all that. So when nobody could gather inside, we, we were quite busy over COVID doing all that, plus the COVID screens we were making also. So that's my boring day. And tell us a wee bit about your spiritual journey as well, Brian. Ooh, how long have you got? Well, uh, I'll keep it short keep because it short. Debbie's a talking <laughs> machine and we'll never get away. Um, I've been a Christian all my life, pretty much. Um, Grew up in the Apostolic, Belfast. I'm originally from Belfast. Um, your usual ups and downs going through teenage years, you know, uh, but I know God's always been with me. Um, I've always sat and wondered, you know, what is my purpose? Why, why am I a Christian? Why, what have you got for me? Never in my wildest dreams did I think it would be kids. Um, because my wife sort of put me off kids. Not my own kids. Um, she works in a nursery, and before that, there she worked in uh, uh, a child. What do you call it? A daycare. Um, so she was always, oh, I, I don't want to do kids, and everybody keeps asking me to do kids, and I don't want to do kids because I don't like kids. <laughs> right? Well, you put me clean off kids. So uh, I know it was God that that brought me to where I am. Um, as I say, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kept praying and praying. Got involved in different things that just didn't feel right and wasn't me. Um, and then over in the other building before we moved here, um, 
I got a touch. I, have to, I did. It changed my life. I got a touch from God. And, you know, that morning, is, I've just, I haven't been the same person. Because before I was angry. I, was, I didn't want to know anybody. Sunday was the worst day of the week for me. Um, and then everything just lightened from that. I, honestly, it, it, was, it was just life-changing, totally life-changing. And then I went to Debbie because I just felt in my heart. And I felt actually quite emotional about it. And she was upstairs because she was, she was leaving the kids. And I went up and says, Debbie, like, I don't know, this must be God because I feel quite emotional about this. And I feel like I want to do kids. I think my exact words were, I don't even like kids. <laughs> um, in which Debbie says, well, then it's definitely from God. And uh, <laughs> you know what? See, since then... It has been absolutely amazing. Um, the kids, the kids are all brilliant. You know, I'm a bit of an idiot. They're all idiots. <laughs> the crack that we have is mighty. You know what I mean? You, you want kids to become in the church every Sunday. Pretty much excited to come to Sunday school because for a bit of laugh. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I remember when I used to go to Sunday school. It was terrible. <laughs> I was. I mean, you used to sit there. The first thing always went into my head, it always smelled like fust. Because <laughs> it was an old building. And you used to walk up the stairs and the carpet was maybe 100 years old. And all you could smell was fust. What is this about? Seriously? Is heaven going to be like this? Um, so, yes, I want to make it fun for your kids. And I'm a great believer. If you put good foundations down, then whatever you plant on that there is going to stay strong. So hopefully... For the leaders and the helpers that we have, we're doing that with your, your kids. But I have to say now, see some of the replies I get? Now, well, there is some replies. Three different questions, which are actually really funny. Um, but some of them are really, really spiritual, coming from children. Like, I, sometimes I, I'm, I'm shocked, and I'm not sort of words to say, but sometimes <laughs> I am, whenever the... The, the kids tell me what the answers are. It's absolutely amazing. So parents who have kids and teaching your kids the ways of, of Christ, no, you're doing a fantastic job, honestly. It's really, really good and inspiring to me. I think I enjoy Sunday school more than the kids. <laughs> I know I need a shower when I come home, uh, roasting and sweating. Um, but yeah, you know, I love them. And I just, for, for the future, I just want to build them and uh, just build the teams as well. And I think I'll, can I give that a wee push too? Yeah, go um, ahead. Volunteers, it's not as bad as you think. Okay, <laughs> please feel free, even if it's once. Come and see if you like it or not. The kids are fantastic, they're amazing. And if you don't like it, fair enough. But if you do, please come and see me or come and see Debbie if you'd like to volunteer, um, because they're dwindling, and uh, we need more volunteers and future leaders for the kids. So I hopefully that will not fall on deaf ears this morning. Brian, one of my questions is about you being so passionate about kids, but yeah. sure, I think we can all see. We've heard it, we've seen it. <laughs> the passion just shines out of him. And I think you're a prime example, Brian, of just being obedient to whenever God has said, Look, I think you should do that. Yeah. You didn't think about it. You just acted on it. And, yeah. and you love it. Isn't I do, that amazing? I, do, I, do. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm more shocked than anybody else. 
I am totally. It's, it's amazing. I love it. So, um, well, I think that's brilliant, Brian. Yes. Let's give him a round of applause for that. And um, before the kids get ready to go, mums and dads don't forget to sign them in. I'm always on going on about that. I'm going to pray for Brian and the kids as they um, go up to prayer or up to kids ministry, prayer ministry. But you know, yeah, same thing. Okay, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love Brian. Um, we hear his passion. We see his heart this morning. Um, for you and also for our kids and the younger generation in this church, Lord. It just shines out of you, Brian. It really does. And um, bless him, inspire him in his role within this team. And, um, and all the folks that volunteer, Lord, just bless them too. So, Lord, as the kids and Brian and the team leave church this morning, may your spirit just go with them. Um, and that spirit of fun and learning, Lord, that all comes together upstairs there. Lord, we just bless him and his family, his workplace, and with his friends as he goes about his daily life. Amen. Thank you. Okay, kids, you can. Okay, I'll just give them a minute, Debbie, but if you want to come on up and join us, um, and mums and dads and other adults, if you want to just look at this beautiful table that Debbie has prepared for us this morning. Um, I know she's going to speak a wee bit about that anyway. Um, so bless you, Debbie. Can we just pray for you too? <laughs> Thank you. So, Lord, we just um, bless the words that you have given Debbie this morning to speak to us and share with us, Lord. Your inspiration um, is what we all need in our lives and just the way that you speak to us and bring things to our mind, Lord. And I just know that you have spoken through Debbie and she has prepared this morning. So thank you, Lord, for what we're going to hear. And thank you for Debbie's willingness to do that. Amen. Now, good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Are we all good? My Bible closed where I had it open. So, yeah, so this is um, a continuation of our summer Sam series, which has been really great. Um, and if you read Al's email, Friday email, um, he spoiled the surprise. So, you'll know that I'm going to be talking to you this morning on Sam 23. Uh, and if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you may have heard Trevor. And he spoke on Psalm 24, but he actually kind of dipped in and out of Psalm 23 as part of that. But I'm still going to talk to you about it because it's actually a psalm that has had real personal significance to me um, just over the last little while. Now, this is the one that begins, the Lord is my shepherd. And there's no doubt that uh, Mr. Kane, Trevor Kane in this church is our sheep man. Um, but a lesser known fact is that I went through a long time where people actually thought that I was a bit crazy about sheep. Um, now, just to set the record straight, can I say that I have no more interest in sheep than the average person? But the story goes that many moons ago, in fact, I was in youth at the time, we went out for, um, I think it was a youth weekend actually, it was on, 
And uh, so basically, I got a bit over enthusiastic about some exceptionally cute little lambs prancing about in some field. So everybody started to laugh at me. And seriously, from that moment, for more than a decade, I was inundated with what can only be described as sheep. This is not me, by the way. I was inundated with sheep crook. So the people in that youth group, anytime they were anywhere and saw anything vaguely sheep related that had a sheep on it, they're like, oh, Debbie would love it. And so for honestly, now Chris isn't here to actually say that this is completely accurate, but it's literally taken him 25 years, we're married 25 years in September, to get rid of all of the sheep mugs in our cupboard that have come and kept coming throughout the years. So it's been completely nuts. But anyway, so uh, back to Sam 23. This is a really well-known Sam. And one of the reasons for that um, is it has brought and continues to bring incredible comfort to many Christians who are maybe coming towards the end of their life on this earth and for family and friends as they grieve due to verse 4, which says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And there's no doubt these are such hope-infused words, aren't they? There is just such depth. But there's so much more to this psalm, and uh, that's I maybe want to, to look at a bit of a different area with you today. But for me, this psalm over the last little while has been like a real spiritual treasure chest, which has just encouraged me so much. So I'm going to read it with you, and then we will have a chat about it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I'm not going to spend too long um, talking about the shepherd imagery here, but there are just a couple of things that I want to say before I move on. So David, the author, he grew up shepherding, if that's a word. Um, so he had a pretty good grasp of the role of a shepherd um, to, to guide, to protect, uh, and to care for the sheep. Now, no offense to any sheep in nearby fields, but my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Trev, is that they're not quite the sharpest tool in the box, all right? So they can easily wander off with no sense of direction. And we could maybe say that they're a little bit hopeless without the guidance of their shepherd. And cue the parallel here with God as our shepherd and therefore us as the sheep. Now, maybe it's your turn to feel a little bit offended in light of how I have just described sheep. 
But the reality is that in our fallen state, we can sometimes be pretty foolish too. And there's a wayward nature to our wills which can easily get us into trouble were it not for the care of our shepherd. And you can see it from no age with, with little ones. You know, they have temper tantrums and they throw themselves on the ground in a bid to get their way. And I think that uh, as we grow up, we uh, just get better at hiding that maybe. And I remember teaching uh, a, a good wee while ago, the Beatitudes. And we, we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 5, verse 3. And who did we identify as the poor in spirit? It's those who get and humbly accept our fallen, sinful nature and the need for a savior. So maybe we really aren't too dissimilar to sheep by nature. And the thing is, by the time David had written this psalm, he had seen God move and work in really beautiful ways, amazing ways in his life. And actually, this psalm is his testimony to encourage others. But the shepherd imagery here, it actually speaks of something else as well, which is way beyond simply herding a flock. Because in ancient Middle East culture, the analogy of a king as a shepherd was actually pretty common. So David is acknowledging here the Lord's sovereignty um, in choosing this unique, and it's actually a really intimate metaphor. I love its personal nature. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And just as is the case with sheep, David got that his shepherd was always with him. He was his guide, his protector, and his provider. And with his Lord by his side, he lacks nothing. And in fact, to the point where he can confidently say, I shall not want. Now I have two Charles Sturgeon quotes as part of this morning, and here's the first one. It is well to know, as certainly as David did, that we belong to the Lord. There's a noble tone of confidence about this sentence. There is no if, nor but, nor even I hope so. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. We can see from the scriptures that this guy, David, is far from perfect. And he has wobbles just like all of us. But here's a question for you. To what degree can we say this morning, in this moment, I shall not want because of the presence of our Lord. What would that even look like? To me, it speaks of a life flooded with shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. Wellness of body and mind and soul. Harmony, wholeness, completeness. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Let's have a look at verse 5. This is actually what I really want us to focus on this morning. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There is such a beautiful 
picture being painted for all of us here. So here David is envisioning the provision and the goodness given by the Lord as a host. And the picture is of a richly set table prepared personally just for him. And tables are one of the most important places of human connection, aren't they? So it's actually no surprise to find that throughout the Bible, God very often shows up at tables. We have the table of the Passover. We have the table of communion. And I picture Jesus sitting, looking lovingly and engaging with Zacchaeus at the table in his home. The table, the place of true welcome. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the context of David, he was probably referring to literal enemies. But for the purposes of this morning, I think it might be helpful for us to think about enemies in our lives a little bit differently. Maybe things that bind us, harass us, press down on us. Insecurity, maybe that's one. Comparison, maybe that's an enemy in your life. This is the interactive bit, guys. Can you think of any other potential enemies? Pardon? Yep. Okay. Any other enemies you can think of? Okay. There are loads. Ego. Apathy. Addiction. Habitual sin, shame, unworthiness, depression, self-hatred, sickness, envy, greed, lust. Now, not all of these are sin. Some of them are just being part of being human. Around about June time, uh, I walked through a bit of a funny season. One where I recognized that I was lacking a bit of peace. And it wasn't, I wasn't in a terrible place. And it was really particularly at nights. I found myself um, in bed, tossing and turning, trying to settle my thoughts, trying to get into a deep sleep. And I recognized in these times that I needed peace. That peace that passes understanding that we read of in Philippians 4, verse 7. And I did ask God for that. But in retrospect, it was almost like I was kind of carrying on my back this really heavy bag. And I was asking for lightness without actually making the decision to take it off my back and to lay it down, if that makes sense. Hopefully it will as we move on. I got a little peace, but maybe not quite the degree of peace that I would have liked. And there wasn't one major thing, but I had a number of situations and challenges and uncertainties. And at night, they just seemed to be circuiting my brain. And I was trying my best to figure them out and to prepare for what might be coming up. And you know the way we kind of kid ourselves that we're in control of our lives when actually we're not even slightly. Um, and the thing is, I'd actually been journeying these things for quite a while. There was nothing new here, um, which is maybe why I was blinded to it to a degree. And in the end of end of in the midst of end of year tiredness, um, a few enemies had crept in. 
in the form of fear and a bit of anxiety. And the thing is, I was spending time with Jesus. I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I was praying for others. I was doing those things. But for some reason, I didn't seem to hear or to pick up on my Lord's whispers of Matthew 11, verse 29. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, I'm pretty good at talking to other people about the importance of doing this. And to be fair myself, I'm usually pretty okay at doing it. But on this occasion, my heavenly dad, in his love and his grace, sent not just one, but he sent two people to lovingly look at me and say, Debbie, you're carrying burdens and your heavenly dad is just waiting for you to, to lay those before him, to give them over to him. Taking the bag off back analogy. And you know, I just love how he loves me so well. He didn't want me to stay in that place. But my shepherd king stepped in and he shone his light on the path that would bring me freedom from that. And so as part of that, this process, I felt drawn to Psalm 23. And over the last while, I have been activating my God-given imagination to lie down in those green pastures. I've been allowing him to lead me beside still waters. And uh, I felt my soul refreshed. It was about coming to the table coming to the table that the Lord had prepared for me and laying my burdens at Jesus' feet, laying my worries, my concerns, the weight, and allowing the feeding of my soul. And the thing is, the situations haven't changed. Those enemies are still lingering, but as I fix my eyes on Jesus, they don't seem so threatening. It's a little bit like the David-Goliath perspective thing, isn't it? Because the giant didn't intimidate that little boy because he was looking through the lens of, yes, you're big, but my God is so much bigger. I think it's really important for all of us this morning to think about and to try to identify who else is sitting at our table. So I'm personifying the enemies that we listed earlier here. So I talked to you about mine that I needed to give over to Jesus before I could comfortably sit at my table. Who is sitting at your table? Maybe for some of you, it's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like having an unwanted guest at your table, but you're unknowingly, consistently inviting them back time and time again because unforgiveness actually ties us to that person. Jesus knows. He knows what your enemies are, so at the table, acknowledge that. And just as was the case for me, the Lord's heart is that uh, you share your burdens with him, bringing them into the light, because that is the first step towards finding freedom. And those enemies can hover all they like, but in the end, remember that they will ultimately be defeated by our shepherd king. It's about intimacy, guys. Intimacy with my shepherd is what sustains me, and it's what will sustain you too. You see, he has promised right here, we just read it, that he prepares a table for me, he prepares a table for you 
in the presence of your enemies. And the enemy would just love us to believe that we are not worthy to come to that table until we are more together, until we are more sorted. But that just isn't true. He would also love us to believe that it isn't actually a feasting table. This is more like an interview appraisal table, some sort of spiritual performance review. That's not it. That song I used to sing many years ago came to my mind as I was writing this. He brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. You see, the cross has paved the way for perfect love, forgiveness, identity as sons and daughters of our King. Your banqueting table will be filled with all your favorite things, just as mine is. There's not a raisin, there's not, not a beetroot in sight. And I've deliberately put four chairs here, one for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm not quite sure the Holy Spirit needs a chair, but I always err on the side of caution. And Jesus is inviting us to come. And he's actually saying, pulling back the chair, and he's calling your name this morning. And he's saying, come. I've got it all ready. I've got the table set out. Come and feast with me. Come and be with me. But you see, the thing is, this is what we do. We are very often in such a rush that we're literally like, oh, Jesus, hi. Hi, how are you? Oh, I love, I love these. I love, love grapes. Listen, see you later, right? And we rush off. And Jesus is kind of left there going, oh, I thought we were going to spend some time together. Have you ever read through your, your uh, Bible passage for the day as a bit of a tick exercise just to kind of get through it? You see, the thing is, this isn't actually going to do anything for you and it isn't going to do anything for the Lord either. He just loves to spend time with you. Be still and know that I am God. We need to learn how to be still in his presence. And of course, we're really talking here about feasting on the, on the presence of the host. And there we can feast and enjoy love and acceptance, peace, joy, knowing who we are and knowing whose we are as well. And verse 5 continues, You anoint my head with oil. Because at the table, the Lord ministers to us. And how much do we need that? He bathes us in the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that we spoke about recently as the church as we feast in his presence. You know uh, that dodgy, wobbly seat? The one at family gatherings that's usually put in a corner somewhere? Whenever you come to feast at your table, yours will be the seat of honor. Here's a little quote from Adam Clark. A magnificent banquet is provided by a most liberal and benevolent host who 
has not only the bounty to feed me, but power to protect me. And though surrounded by enemies, I sit down to this table with confidence, knowing that I shall feast in perfect security. So what is this being still and feasting in the presence of God? What does it look like for you? Does it look like getting out alone and immersing yourself in the beauty of creation, going to your favorite spot, going for a walk, going for a drive somewhere? Does it look like going for a bit of a retreat, like my husband is currently doing? He sent me a beautiful picture of uh, a lovely scene he was enjoying this morning. Does it look like fasting? Are you creative? Do you enjoy painting, drawing? Does that bring you close to the presence, to feast upon your Father? Is it worship, deep study of the Bible? In our uniqueness, it will look very different um, for all of us. So I would just love to invite the worship guys up again, and they are going to lead us in one more song this morning to give us an opportunity to, to respond a little to what I've been speaking about. This morning, there's a special invitation for you, and it actually has your name on it. It's an invitation for you to come to your banqueting table that the Lord has prepared just for you in the presence of your enemies. A place where you can rest in the presence of the one who knows you and loves you more than you will ever get your head around. A place where your head will be anointed with oil to refresh you and to encourage you, mind, body, and soul. In that place this morning, lay at his feet any burdens that you may be feeling the weight of this morning that are weighing you down and allow your imagination, remember it's God-given, allow your imagination to paint a picture of your very own banqueting table. Jesus pulling back the chair, saying, come, and using your name, come spend time with, spend time with me, eat and be satisfied. And the psalm ends, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The host's care brought the goodness and the mercy of God to David. And he lived in the faithful expectation that that would be the case for all of his days. And we can do that too. And here's my second Charles Spurgeon quote. While I am here, I will be a child at home with my God. The whole world shall be his house to me. And when I ascend into the upper chamber, I shall not change my company, nor even change the house. I shall only go to dwell in the upper story of the house of the Lord forever. So just use these couple of minutes to spend some time with your Shepherd King this morning. And um, our service is almost over. We're just in the very final stages now. So um, just while you're praying, um, from the very word go this morning, um, God has asked us just to come as we are, lay things down. And um, if there are areas in your life that, that you maybe want someone to stand with you and support you in, in prayer, 
please come forward. The prayer ministry team will be at the front afterwards, just as we've finished. And if there are areas that the Lord has particularly highlighted to you, maybe as Debbie has spoken about, um, please come forward and respond to that. You're in a safe place here. Thank you, Lord, for um, the message this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your just amazing love for us. Thank you, Lord, that there's nothing we can do that pushes you away from us. We push you away. You don't push us away. So just come close this morning. Just stay in this, this place now. And if you need to, please come forward. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And